1 Samuel chapter 20. I want to invite your attention to the word of the Lord this morning. And uh, I'm going to deliver to you what I believe the Lord has, has purposed for us to hear. 1 Samuel chapter 20, beginning with verse 18. And the word of the Lord uh, says this. Then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon. And thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then thou shalt go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself when the business was in hand and shalt remain by the stone Ezel. And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad. Everybody say a lad saying, go find out the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, take them, then come thou, for there is peace to thee and no hurt as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. Verse 35 of the same chapter. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. And I want you to notice verses 39 and 40. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said unto him, Go carry them to the city. And I just want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, a little lad with a lot of weapons. A little lad with a lot of weapons. Could we lift up our voice unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? Lord, what a privilege it is to stand in your presence among your holy people. And God, you have gathered us from all places to be in this place, to serve you and to worship you, to hear your word. God, I pray that you will help me to handle your word of life with accuracy, with compassion, with wisdom, with boldness, with strength, with love. I pray, oh God, that together we will hear it, we will receive it and obey it. And let it be a life-changing power in our life, oh God. We give you all the praise and the glory in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. God bless you. If I could take you back to uh, the place of my family's origin, a place called Persia. Uh, this, is a, this was a place in ancient times. And there was a man of God by the name of Daniel there. Um, his name had been changed to Belteshazzar. And, and, and he was named after one of Nebuchadnezzar's gods. But his name was actually Daniel. And he was, 
used mightily of the Lord. And the heathen would say this of him. They would say, in him is an excellent spirit. And they knew that he had unique giftings. But he wasn't just in Persia. He had also been in Babylon. But Babylon had been overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. And so in Babylon, Daniel had been able to develop quite a uh, credibility, if you please, among the people and among the governors of that great empire. And, and yet when the kingdom was overtaken by the Medes and the Persians, he was kind of starting off at square one to some extent. He was having to gather and gain the influence that he had once enjoyed, uh, even as a captive, a Hebrew captive in Babylon. But now in Persia, uh, he's kind of starting over and there were people who envied the favor that, was God, that God had placed upon him. And of course, you may know the, the, the great accounts of Daniel praying unto the Lord and, and people criticizing him for that life of prayer and him ending up being cast into a lion's den and him just simply refusing to stop praying, refusing to stop serving God. And, and then he was able to come out of that lion's den victoriously. Praise God. And this was the great life of Daniel, and this was the, the common uh, theme of his life, that he served God, and God watched over him and spoke to him, gave him very important instructions concerning the future of the people of Israel. And so... So as we enter into the narrative of Daniel's life, and I, I use Daniel as a, as a kind of a first example of the principle I'd like to share with you today. As you enter the narrative of his life in the middle of his book, uh, he is praying unto the Lord to seemingly no avail. Uh, there is a, a passage in his life, a, a period in his life where he is desperately seeking God and it is as if the Lord has shut up the heavens against him. It's as if he's not being heard and nothing he's saying resonates or matters. Has anybody ever been there when you've prayed and you kind of felt like your prayers were bouncing back at you? We've used that analogy like, uh, like the, the heavens are brass. There's not, a, there's not a give. There's not a penetrable option. It just seems like the prayers go up, but where do they end up? That's where Daniel was. Daniel was praying, and it just didn't seem like there was anything coming from his prayers. And, and, and then about two or three weeks into it, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel of the Lord says to Daniel, hey, listen, when you started praying, the Lord dispatched me. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that when you start praying, things are already happening. He said, when you began praying, the Lord dispatched me. But he said, as I made my way to you, I was withstood by the prince of Persia. And, and so he begins to explain that the prince of Persia was trying to prevent the angel of the Lord from coming to where Daniel was in Persia. And I will tell you, you know, as a kid, when I heard this story, I had all this imagery in my mind of, you know, just I, I, the, the angel of the Lord and the prince of Persia. 
battling it out and, you know, like fighting and moving furniture around and wrestling in the living room and, and tearing down the hanging gardens of Babylon. I just had all these images of, of Gabriel punching the prince of Persia and the prince of Persia elbowing Gabriel. And the Bible says Gabriel called on Michael, the archangel, to come and help him. And that is the only way he got through that, that withstanding of the prince of Persia. And I thought, man, if I ever need an angel, Lord, just go ahead and send Michael. Don't, don't even worry. Just we'll take care of this right now. Just go ahead and send Michael. That way we get this thing done. And, and, and it wasn't quite as my young mind imagined it. It was, it was a jurisdictional battle. Uh, Daniel and Israel, they were in Persia. And so Daniel's praying and the Lord begins to execute his law in Persia. And the prince of Persia withstands that effort and says, you don't have a right to, to execute your law in this land. And, and so Gabriel is, is negotiating and they're trying to, trying to find a way to get God's law into Persia. And so he calls upon Michael, the archangel, and Michael, who was the chief prince of Israel, came down and explained to Mr. Prince of Persia that it doesn't matter where the people of God are, God's law is superior to every other law. And so the Prince of Persia had to step aside and, and the, the work and the word and the will of God came right unto Daniel and, and, it, was, and it was so. But Daniel had no idea any of this was happening. He knew not anything. He just, he just prayed and sought God and petitioned the Lord and, and bombarded heaven with his effectual and fervent prayer. And when he, when he finished praying and he still didn't have peace, that didn't stop him from praying again. And when he went to bed and he still felt troubled, that didn't prevent him from praying again. And when he woke up the next day and the heaviness was still there, he continued praying. He didn't even know that the moment he began praying, the Lord had dispatched the angel Gabriel and that there was a battle underway in the heavens. A real battle, ladies and gentlemen. And I, and I want you to know, you can get all caught up in what your eyes see and what your ears hear and what your fingers can touch. And you can be thrown off by that if you want. But I have you know, there's a real invisible world around us. It's a real world. And there's real stuff happening. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's wise to understand that. And Daniel did. He may not have known what was going on, but he knew God well enough to know something is going on. Because God doesn't just hear the cry of his people and not do anything. God doesn't hear the, the, the humble heart petition him and just nothing at all happens. And I want to encourage somebody today that if you are in the situation where you feel like there's nothing moving and there's nothing giving and there, there's nothing shifting or shaping, I will, I will tell you in the name of the Lord, something happens when you call his name. Something begins to shake, something begins to shift, something begins to move when you call upon the name of the Lord. You may not know what it is. You may not be able to put your finger on it, but whatever you do, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting God. Don't stop leaning upon his 
word. Don't stop being faithful to the house of God. Don't stop leading your family unto the Lord because God is up to something. And Daniel realized, man, I, I've got to keep, I don't feel anything, but I'm going to keep on praying. I don't feel God moving, but I'm going to keep on worshiping. I, I'm not sure how effective this is, but I'm going to, I'm going to press on into this and thank God he did because the battle was underway and the answer was already coming. This is why when you pray, hallelujah, you ought to say amen because amen just simply means so be it it means it is done I asked the Lord and he heard my cry it is done in the name of Jesus and I'm gonna pray again and I'm gonna pray again I'm gonna pray till it happens but I can tell you for a matter of fact that it is done in the name of Jesus and I shall not fear and I shall not be afraid and I will not live intimidated by the enemy and I will not live insecure it is done in the name of Jesus I may not know everything going on, but I know something's going on. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. The evidence we have for this invisible world I am telling you about is the faith of God's people. That is the evidence of this invisible world. This is why there can be an elder among us. And thank God for our elders. Let's give them a hand clap of appreciation. Thank God for every man and woman of God who have soldiered on, who have endured this fallen world and are living for God today. God bless you in Jesus' name. You knew through it all that God is in control. You knew through it all that you can trust in his mighty name. Hallelujah. This is why they will, they will come in sometimes and things aren't going really all that well in their earthly world. Maybe there are things they have concerns about. Maybe there are troubles more than enough. Maybe there are test results they're waiting for. But they walk in with their head held up high saying the Lord knows where I am. And all is well in the name of the Lord. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. The elders used to sing songs like I am determined to hold out to the end. Jesus is with me on him I can depend for I know I have salvation I feel it in my soul I am determined to hold out to the end hear what I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen God is up to something when you call upon his name Job had this same disadvantage when his life was being pulled apart and the devastation of his world came upon him like a flood and he didn't, he didn't know how to express or explain what was going on. Little did he know, but while all of this was happening, there were conversations happening in the invisible world. Satan came among the sons of God and stood before the Lord and the Lord said, where'd you come from? What are you up to? And Satan responded and said, I am, I am roaming to and fro, just like Peter said that he does, like a, like a lion seeking whom I may devour. 
And I've got my, I've, I've got, I'm looking for somebody that, that, that is vulnerable, that I can just devour them. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? I wish I could take a little time and preach it to you today. Because the Lord, it surprises us that he would say this, but, but God was establishing something so deep, so powerful, so important. And he knew that Job was up for the task. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He is a perfect man, upright, one that escheweth evil. And the devil said, of course I've considered Job. Are you kidding me? I've considered Job for a long time, but you've got that hedge about him. I want you to know there's a hedge about you. That's the only way you are here right now is that there is a hedge about you. If the devil could have killed you, he'd have already done it. Don't you tell me you don't have a reason to praise God. You're here, aren't you? That is reason enough to praise the name of the Lord. How do you think you survived half the stuff you shouldn't have survived? I'll tell you how. Because the Lord put a hedge about you. Don't ever forget that the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He would have killed, he would have destroyed, he would have stolen by now. But God, who is rich in mercy, said, you're not going to penetrate the hedge. But he let that hedge down for Job because he was establishing something significant, hallelujah, concerning the principles of affliction. And, and he was establishing that through it all, God will bring you through it. And he knew that Job could lead as an example of that kind of patience. Job doesn't know any of this while it's happening. He's just living his life. He's just doing his thing. He's just trying to get through Monday. And, and the whole world falls flat around his feet. And the, 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 the whole ecosystem of his, his family and life just shatters in front of him. And, 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 and many people would fall in that moment. God knew Job wouldn't. Job didn't know what was going on. But he knew something more than meets the eye is going on. I will not give up. You know why? His wife told him to. She said, you ought to curse God. I don't know how you retain your integrity, she said. She said, I don't know how you keep going to church. I don't know how you keep calling yourself a believer. I don't know how you keep studying the word every day and how you keep praying. You ought to curse God and just die already. And he said, oh, 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 stop. You're talking like a foolish woman now. You've let this world get into your thinking. You've let the and the mindset of this carnal society influence the way you judge and perceive God. You speak like a foolish woman. Let me tell you something. Though he slay me, I will serve him. Though he slay me, I will trust him because I don't know what's going on, but I know something's going on. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'm going to tell you something. It takes a lot of faith covered up with sackcloth and ashes, lesions disfiguring your face, boils across your body, no money, no family, no home, and to lift your hand and say, God! 
is doing something special and I will not forsake them. Sometimes you have to know there is something going on in the heavenlies that you may not be able to explain, but that's why we put our trust in him and never doubt. That's why we have faith unwavering. And when you have faith unwavering, you can walk on water. When you have faith unwavering, you won't have a smell of smoke on you when you come out of the fiery furnace. When you have faith unwavering, now, I know I'm preaching to somebody here today because the Holy Ghost told me when you have faith unwavering, you'll walk through the Red Sea. You'll walk through the Jordan River. When you have faith unwavering, you don't need ideal circumstances. Because you know God is up to something. I don't know all it is, but he's up to something. In this case, Jonathan and David were in a very terrible situation. David was anointed king of Israel. There was anointing dripping from his hair, anointing oil. Anointing oil that covered him. He'll never forget the day that the prophet of God, Samuel, came to his father's house and said, I have come to anoint the next king of Israel. And Jesse sent in seven of his sons and they looked like kings and they sounded like kings and they had the resume fit for a king to be. And Samuel looked at each one, measured the metric of their qualifications and, and man, it just, one after another, God said, nope, nope, not him either. Nope, and Samuel like, God, do I have the right address? Did, did Google Maps do something to me again? Let me check this out. Do I? that'll mess you up folks we had people stopping in the middle of i-71 and google maps saying you have arrived at your destination <laughs> samuel thought lord what does in the world kind of gps system do we have going on and god said no he's here but he's not in here you got to be able to hear from god and Samuel said, look, I know, I, I know he's here. Do you have another son? And very, no pun intended, very sheepishly, Jesse said, I do have a son who's tending to the flock. And he said, I'm going to bring David in. And David comes walking in as the eighth son. And the Lord said, here he is anointed the next king of Israel. Samuel anoints David and David would never forget that day when the confirmation of God's anointing covered his head and his body as he received the anointing of the Lord in his life. But I'm gonna tell you something, in the passage of scripture we read, he does not feel anointed, he does not look anointed, he doesn't seem anointed. It doesn't seem like there's any favor of God anywhere to be found. David is a fugitive from his own land, his own family has turned against him. The people that he thought were mentoring him now have turned violently against him. Violently against him. Saul was his father-in-law and his king and his mentor and Saul had thrown, literally thrown javelins at him on multiple occasions trying to pin him to the wall. Okay, I know you got, I know you feel like you got co-workers throwing daggers at you. This was 
These were real javelins, and Saul was no slouch when it came to javelin throwing. He was a warrior, and, and, and it, was the, it was the mercy and the grace of God that the Lord spared David. You can't, listen, you can't pierce the hedge with a javelin. Saul was, Saul was envious of David, and the more envious he became, the more afraid of David he became. And the more God protected David, the more afraid of David Saul became. And the more, the Bible says that the more afraid of, Saul, of David Saul became, the more wisely David would behave himself. He behaved himself more wisely than any other. He, the, the more the enemy fought, the wiser David became. And I'm going to tell you something. If you walk with God, that's exactly what will happen. The more fierce the attack, the wiser you will become. You just go ahead and live your life. You're anointed and the devil can't do anything about it. Now listen to me. If you've got sin, I'm going to disqualify what I'm preaching. If you've got sin in your life, you've got to repent of your sins. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we've got two getting baptized today in the name of Jesus. We ought to give God praise. I hope we have three or four or five today before the day's out in the name of Jesus. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. But I'm going to tell you something. When the Lord anoints you, there's nothing the devil can do about it if you'll put your faith in God. And so David is, is on the run. He has to flee for his life. And, and there are mixed messages coming from Saul because Saul is telling his servants to show David a lot of love and affection so he'll trust me and then I can kill him. And, and meanwhile, Jonathan is believing his dad, who Jonathan is David's very dearest friend in life. They're very close friends like brothers. And Jonathan is taking his dad Saul's word for it and tells David... You're not going to be wounded by, by dad. Dad had a bad day when he threw that javelin at you, but he's feeling better today, you know. So I think we're good. And, and David's like, I don't know. That was pretty close. And, and Jonathan said, no, no, it's all good. I promise you. And, and so David said, I tell you what, before I come back to breakfast, why don't you find out for me how Saul is feeling? And so Jonathan goes back and is talking to Saul and there is an eruption between them. One day, David doesn't show up at breakfast and, and Saul was like, okay, fine, he's just not feeling good. The second day, David doesn't show up and Saul knew something was going on. He confronts Jonathan, where's David? He says he's over in Bethlehem. He had a family matter. He couldn't get out of it. He would have been here otherwise. And Saul said, I don't believe it. You're protecting him. You, you've joined league with him. Don't you know that if you join league with him, he'll be the king and not you? Don't you know that if he lives and doesn't die, then he'll be king and you won't be king? And see, what he failed to understand is that Jonathan wasn't about his own kingdom. He was about the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you something. We're not about our own kingdom. We're about the kingdom of the most high God. Jonathan said, Dad, I'm not worried about whether David is king. I'm worried about the will of God being done in his kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. This is God's kingdom, not our kingdom. This is God's church, not our church. This is God's world and not our world. He sits high. He is the most high God. He sits upon the circle of the earth. He is the king of kings. 
He's the Lord of Lords. He can do as he wishes. He said, I'll have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion upon whom I'll have compassion. I'll raise this one up and I'll abase that one. I'll do as I will. And you would be wise to fall in line with what the Lord wills for your life. Jonathan said, I want the will of God. Saul fought it until he died on the mountains of Gilboa. And, and Jonathan said, no, dad, he said, I, I, this, you're not seeing this clearly. And, and Saul threw a javelin at him. Somebody get those javelins from Saul, please. Could somebody please? He just throwing javelins left and right. I'm gonna tell you, if Saul's got a javelin next to him, that's your cue to be late for breakfast. And, and he throws a javelin at Jonathan. Jonathan leaves and he goes out to where he had told David to meet him. He had given him a forewarning and we read about it in 1 Samuel 20. He said, I'm gonna come out to this field. You stay out here. I'm gonna have a lad with me and I'm going to have, I'm going to send arrows. If I shoot the arrows in front of you, between me and you, then, then you can know that it is that it is safe for you to come home. He said, but if I shoot the arrows beyond you, then you need to go because, because your life is in danger. And so he takes this lad out with him. And my focus today is the little lad because the lad knows nothing. He's just doing as he's told. None of this makes any sense to him. Jonathan doesn't tell him anything. He makes him think it's just a little sport that he's engaging in because he doesn't want to bother him with the serious matters of the kingdom. But the serious matters of the kingdom are that the king is trying to kill the next king. And so he lets an arrow fly and it falls halfway or it would have fallen halfway between he and David, but it didn't. It fell way beyond where David was. And he shoots the arrows beyond David and beyond the lad. And he tells the lad, run, go get the arrows, make haste, get them speedily. And the lad's just running with everything he's got. I'm going to get the arrows, brother Jonathan. And Jonathan goes, go hurry up now, go get the arrows. Saying it loud enough so David can hear him. Go get the arrows now, go get them. And that young lad is grabbing the arrows and he goes and gathers up all the arrows and he brings them back to Jonathan. He has no idea that the man after God's own heart's life is in danger, has no idea that the next king of Israel is fleeing for his life, has no idea that King Saul has shifted and veered from the path of God's perfect will, has no idea that the kingdom business is underway, but he's engaged in it in a very important and significant fashion. And the important thing for him to do is just do what he needs to do without asking questions about it. I wonder if we could be like that little lad. I wonder if God can trust us. Let me tell you something. If you can trust God, God can trust you. And something beautiful about God being able to trust us to be obedient to his word when it doesn't make sense but to know that God is up to something God's got some of you running for arrows and you don't know why he's got you moving here and moving there and doing this and doing that and speaking to them and sending this text and sending this email and filling out this application and, and, and all of this stuff you feel led to do and you don't know why and I don't know why and nobody here knows why but there is a God in heaven Who's up to something special? And if you do what God's telling you,
telling you to do. David will live. The praiser will live. The worshiper will dance. The worshiper will dance before the Lord again if you'll do what God's telling you to do. I want you to know that that little lad comes running back with those arrows and Jonathan says, man, thank you. You did a good job. The little lad has no clue that the man after God's own heart is living another day and is going to lead because of his obedience, because of this little kid's obedience. This man of God is going to lead the kingdom of Israel into its most glorious ancient days and set them up to build the temple of Solomon and bring them into the city of Zion. And he's going to establish the tabernacle of David. And all of this is going to happen because a little lad just simply did what seemed unusual, but God told me to do it. I don't know why, but he told me to say something to you. This is why whenever you feel the Lord moving upon you to deliver that word of encouragement to some child of God, you better do it. You, you, you may be unlocking a door of anointing in their life. You might, I'm going to tell you some of the greatest ministries that have ever influenced the kingdom of God have come from a passing word of encouragement from some obedient lad who didn't know that the prince of Persia and angel Gabriel and Michael were warring in the heavens and that little word of encouragement pierced through the confusion of that moment just you hear me I don't know why God told me to tell you this but he told me to tell you everything's gonna be all right he told me to tell you just be obedient and trust in him he told me I'm gonna tell you it's time to it's time to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh it's time to be obedient to the Holy Ghost beautiful thing about this experience was that when he gets done obeying what Jonathan told him to do, Jonathan says, all right, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Here's my, here are the arrows you just picked up. Here's the quiver. You have them full of them. And uh, here's my sword. Here's my knife and my dagger. Here's my shield. Here's my helmet. I need you to take all of my artillery and carry it into the city. That little lad could have taken on a whole army with the artillery. He was walking around with because he was obedient to the directive of Jonathan. Let me tell you something. When you're obedient to God, he will give you new weapons with every obedience that you entertain and are involved with. This is why you just take one step and he'll take two. You just be obedient to God and he'll begin to order the path of your life. You don't have to know where it's going to end up. We know with God all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. We know that with God the steps of a good men are ordered of the Lord and he'll take you through some things that don't make sense but when you come out of it you're going to have a new weapon patience and I'm going to tell you something if you have patience you can overcome every devil you have seriously undervalued the power of patience you run from that word. You flee it. You circumvent it. You try to avoid it at all costs. But the scripture says that if you'll just let patience have her perfect work, 
you will be perfect and you will be entire and you will want for nothing. I'm talking about you will live in a place of perfect contentment by the time patience gets done with you. And you're worrying and fretting and and confused and ready to throw in the towel and ready to give it all up. And God said, be patient. I'm trying to give you a new weapon that can slay every dragon that tries to step onto your path. The devil is no match for a saint of God who is patient. I'm going to say that again. The devil is no match for a saint of God who is patient. Husband, be patient. Wife, be patient. Parents, be patient. In your patience, possess ye your souls. And if you'll get through this test and if you'll get through this trial, and hey, little lad, if you'll just go and get the arrows that don't make any sense to you. I don't know why I got to run this course. I don't know why he shot those arrows so far. No pun intended. It is beyond me why he shot those arrows so far. But I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. I'm going to get it. I'm going to go for it. Because when I come back, I'm going to have a new weapon. Uh Uh-oh. Some of you are going through some things. And the thing God's going to take you through, it's going to give you a new weapon. Wait till you hear this weapon. Because this weapon is vicious against the enemy. This one right here. He's going to give you a new weapon called forgiveness. You wait till he puts that in your arsenal. There is no devil in hell that can withstand the power of forgiveness. If he can't offend you, he cannot defeat you. Uh, I'm going to preach it until you believe it. If he cannot offend you, he cannot defeat you. If he can't make you hold a grudge, he cannot defeat you. You need to stop holding a grudge and start holding fast the profession of your faith. You need to stop holding a grudge and start holding a peace and letting the Lord fight your battle. My God, have mercy. I'm sorry you can't offend me out of the church. You can't offend me out of the body of Christ. You can't do it. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I've had things said about me. It's all right. God is my Savior, my shield, my buckler. I love them. I love you. I love, I'm going to love you whatever you say. I'm going to love you because God gave me a weapon. It's a weapon called forgiveness. And I know how to use it by the grace of God. And if it gets damaged in battle, I'll just go back and fix it up, polish it up. I'll get back in prayer. Say, Lord, help my spirit. Help my spirit. Help me forgive. Help me be patient. Wait till he gives you humility. You won't even know you have it because if you do, you don't have it. You won't even know you have that one, but it'll be there and it'll fight for you. Hallelujah, because you won't think so highly of yourself and it'll take that sense of entitlement from you and you won't feel so entitled to the blessings that come only from God's mercy and not from our ability to earn them. Wait till God gives you humility. Oh, wait till God gives you a praise in the middle of your trial. Wait till God shows you how to worship him when all hell is breaking loose. You wait till he puts the mind. You wait till he puts that weapon in your arsenal. 
come on, run around, run around. Let God lead you. Let God, just, just go do, go do, go about. This is what they said of Jesus. He went about doing good. Go about doing good. Just go about doing good. You're picking up weapons. You're learning how to forgive people. You're learning how to be humble. You're learning how to praise God. When, when, when all things are not well, you're praising God. These are, these are a lot of weapons. Hallelujah. Jesus said to his parents, why are you seeking me? They said, we can't find Jesus. He said, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. I know you can't see it. I know you thought this was just a, a ceremony coming to the, to the feast, coming to the feast and joining all the people of God. You, I know you thought we were just coming to church on Sunday because that's what we do on Sunday. I know, I know that's what you thought was happening, but there's business going on. Lightning is flashing, thunder is rolling, princes are fighting, angels are being dispatched. When Jacob looked and saw that ladder that ascended into the heavens, he saw angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. That wasn't God's pomp and circumstance and God showing uh, Jacob a pretty sight. No, he was looking at the business of the kingdom. There were angels taking messages and coming back and moving out and coming back. And I'm going to tell you, that's going on every day, all day. Angels ascending and descending. A man of God stood in our pulpit, I believe it was last week, and said, I saw the angels of the Lord standing at Tree of Life Church. Brother Purdy, you, you saw them too just not long ago and saw exactly what he described. And it was confirmed by, by a, a prophetic word recently at a meeting. There is an angelic activity happening. This is a place to be, not because it's a place to be and place you've made a decision to come to today, but because God is up to something. Because God is doing something special. Hallelujah. And he has equipped us with what we need. Hallelujah. What did you think we were doing when we were engaging in the bridge project? What did you think we were doing when we engaged in the Ready Now campaign? What did you think we were doing when we bought the Gospel Baptist Church and turned it into First Apostolic Church? What, what did you think we were doing when we bought Sycamore Christian Church? What did you think we were doing when we, when we built this beautiful building? What did you think we were doing when we worshiped at Grace Point, Finneytown for eight months and, and then we joined together and God is doing something so special in our city and the best is yet to come. There are more things. All this was was just a gathering of an arsenal, a gathering of the artillery, gathering the weapons, learning how to be patient, learning how to have faith, learning how to worship, learning how to pray until the heavens open. Learning how to pray until God shows up. We've learned some things on this journey and we're still learning. God is packing us, loading us up with weapons to win this war. I want somebody going through a struggle right now, lift your hands as high as you can and say, Lord, I know you're up to something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's an emotional struggle. Maybe it's a family crisis. Maybe your family is going through something. God's going to lift the worry off of you and confirm his word and will to you. Hitabaka, Shandara Mahaya, 
He's up to something. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody lift up your hands unto the Lord. Come on, stand with me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we came to Cincinnati, Ohio in 2005, the Lord immediately began to do some wonderful things. And the church had just come through some challenging times there recently. And, and uh, we were laboring together and we had, there, you know, we, we had a group. We were working together and laboring together. Amen. I wonder how many, how many were here in, in how many remember when, when Sister Heidi and I and Anna and Sophia came to Cincinnati? If, you, if you're here and you were, you were in the church at that time. God bless you. Isn't God good? Look around. Could you give them a big hand? God bless them. And give a hand to yourself for being here and being a part of what God is doing. I remember just about six months after we came, Sister Buller, I was seeking God and I, I could feel the weight of what we were trying to accomplish. And you come into a city and, and, and you meet the prince of that city is what you do. You, he'll come and introduce himself to you. I remember one night I, I, was, I was awakened at three in the morning and I had a great heaviness. That day, that day prior, I'd had a very interesting encounter and I, I felt a spiritual attack from it and I felt a heavy weight upon me. And I woke up at three in the morning. We lived in the church at that time, in the church apartment. And, and I walked down to my office at three in the morning I prayed to God and I said, Lord, I feel the weight. I feel the, I feel the, the heaviness of a spiritual attack. I'm 25 years old at the time. And I said, Lord, I, I need you. I need you to help me. And the Lord gave me a little song. And, I, and we never, I never produced it, never made any money off of it, but I... I didn't need to. It was maybe one for everybody, but it was for me. And it just said, angels are watching. Actually, it said, I'm saying this so long, I can't remember the words. It said, our God is moving. Angels are watching. Saints are praying. In one accord tonight, the fire's falling. The Spirit's calling. And I've got a feeling everything's all right. And I just, I just kept saying that our God is working. Angels are watching. Saints are praying in one accord tonight. The fire's falling. The Spirit's calling. I've got a feeling everything's all right. I said it again, our God is working. Angels are watching. Saints are praying in one accord tonight. The fire's falling. The Spirit's calling. I got a feeling everything's all right. I just sang that over and over and over. And I'm going to tell you something. If those things are happening, then everything is all right. If our God is working, Angels are watching. 
saints are praying in one accord tonight. The fire is falling and the spirit is calling. You can rest assured, everything, everything is all right. Doesn't matter what you're up against, everything's gonna be all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor right now and tell them that. That's the word of the Lord for somebody right now. Tell them. Go ahead and tell them. It's going to be all right. Tell them it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right in the name of Jesus. It's going to be all right. <laughs> somebody lift up your hands unto the Lord. God wants to put a song in your spirit right now. God wants to put a song in your spirit right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can feel something going on. The unsettled nature of it makes you feel a little uncertain. But I've come to tell you that the Lord is working. I've come to tell you that angels are watching. I've come to tell you that the saints are praying. I've come to tell you that the fire is falling. Hallelujah. The blood is on your side. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. Hallelujah. I want somebody to come to the front of this house right now and say, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go gather the weapons. I'm going to go gather the weapons. Hallelujah. I'm going to gather the arrows and I'm going to gather the weaponry that you have put along my path. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to fight with it. I'm going to fight with it. Lord, teach me patience in this time. Lord, teach me forgiveness in this time. Lord, teach me. Show me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, teach me. I surrender to you, oh God. I surrender to you, oh God. Whew. Come on, some of you are learning how to trust God. Some of you are learning how to trust God like you've never trusted Him before do that learn that he's giving you a weapon some of you lost your job recently some of you don't know how you're going to make ends meet don't be afraid god is in control he's going to give you direction he's going to put you on a particular path gather those weapons up gather them together assemble the artillery God is preparing you, hallelujah, for battles to come. God is preparing you for battles to come. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Thank you. 
God. Yes, Lord. You're feeling somebody's burden right now. You're feeling somebody's burden right now. I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You're feeling somebody's weight, the weight of their burden right now. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Brother, feel free to reach out and pray for a brother. Sister, feel free to reach out and pray for a sister right now. Because God, God is speaking. God is speaking. He's speaking to hearts right now. You don't know why it had to happen. You don't know why it had to happen. You don't know why it had to go that far. Why did the arrows have to go that far? Because God was giving you a new weapon. I'm gonna see you. Yes, me. For the 
Thank you.